Well, one of the things that I'm really excited about today is that we're shooting this service from our Impact Old Southside campus. Uh, Impact Old Southside is a neighborhood just on the south side of downtown Indianapolis. Uh, as most of you know, over the past few years, Mount Pleasant has really made an effort to increase our impact into different neighborhoods around Indianapolis through what we call our Impact Ministries. And so today, along with Impact Old Southside, we also have uh, our Impact Fairfax campus that's located on the near west side of Indianapolis, and we have our Impact Bethany campus on the southeast side of Indianapolis. One of the priorities of all of our Impact campuses is to serve the people of their neighborhoods and communities. And since we're focusing on the blueprint of serving in this week's message, I wanted to spend some time talking to our Impact Old Southside pastor, Jed Fuller, about the way we've been able to serve this neighborhood, especially over the past few months during the COVID-19 shutdown or stay-at-home order. And so I want to welcome Jed to the service today, and I'm so glad that you're going to join me for a few minutes. Uh, Jed, you've been serving as the Impact Old Southside pastor for about three and a half years. That's right. And during that three and a half years, some really, really great things have happened. You've been able to develop a really strong presence in this neighborhood. You've been able to uh, network and develop some good relationships. We purchased this building, remodeled it, and it has really enhanced our ability to serve the neighborhood. Uh, and most important, at least to me and I think to you also, we've also been able to establish a church, a That's spiritual right. community right here that's meeting the spiritual needs of this community. And so I just wanted to spend a few minutes asking you some questions that are related to uh, the ministry here and in particular serving. I want you to tell me about the ways that you've been able to increase the level of serving the neighborhood uh, during this coronavirus, this COVID-19 virus and this time of shutdown. Right. Well, like everybody, it's been such a huge disruption to our everyday normal life. but. God has provided some awesome opportunities. Uh, one of the things we saw is that we know that we, have, we serve a vulnerable population. Many of the people in our neighborhood are of an elderly population, and a lot of them don't have transportation. So we have, as much as possible, encouraged folks to get involved with our impact center, center down in Greenwood, but uh, many of them can't drive. And so we have been delivering meals to them. Uh, we've been picking up food from the impact center, and then we've been taking meals to them. And that has just, that's been really great. We've really built some relationships with neighbors that for normal day-to-day -day, we haven't been able to build relationships with. That's really cool. And, and uh, that's another thing that I wanted to talk to you about. I'm glad you mentioned that you've been able to build some new relationships because um, I wanted to ask about uh, the result of this time of serving or the impact of this time of serving on uh, new relationships, both with the people here in the neighborhood with the need, but also uh, I know from talking to you that you've been able to develop some new relationships, maybe a better word would be partnerships, yeah. with some different groups, businesses, and organizations uh, around this area. So tell us about that a little bit. Well, the relationships with neighborhood organizations has just gone up to a new level. We, we, we talk on the phone, we visit with our, the neighborhood center, the Concord Neighborhood Center that's right here, other area neighborhood organizations, but the partnerships, new partnerships have been really cool. Uh, many people who are familiar with Meridian know that Shapiro's Delicatessen has been a staple of the South Side, uh, downtown South Side, Indianapolis area. and. Uh, uh, they provide meals that we deliver every week to families, hot meals, good food from Shapiro's Delicatessen. And that's something that a lot of our families normally don't get to eat yeah. uh, because it's kind of expensive to it eat there is. normally. A bit pricey. But, but that's been a huge blessing, and people are just excited to, to receive a meal like that from Shapiro's. Uh, we're also been picking up a lot of extra produce and things to deliver folks, which 
is huge for nutrition because sometimes uh, fresh produce is not easy to come by. Grocery stores are not really close by. And so they end up with more sh uh, shelf-stable items, but not fresh items. And that can impact people's health. Yeah. How did the relationship or the partnership with Shapiro's come about? You know, that's interesting because uh, I have... I get to be in meetings with Brian Shapiro. Uh, he's a part of the Stadium Village Business Association. Impact Old Southside has joined that uh, association of, of the local area businesses. And so we've just developed a friendship and a partnership out of that. And when the shutdown happened, he wanted to make a difference in the neighborhood. And I'm, I feel blessed uh, to know that he thought of us as a way to make an impact in his neighborhood. Yeah. Well, that's really cool because obviously... On, at least on some level, you've made some kind of an impact on him just through that association. Sure. <laughs> That's good. Well, <clears throat> Jed, <clears throat> one of the reasons I've really been looking forward to shooting this uh, video here at Impact on Southside is because unlike Greenwood, uh, this is a very racially diverse neighborhood. Yeah. Now, our Impact Fairfax campus is similar to that. It has a lot of racial diversity as well. And uh, I've been thinking about this for the past few weeks, being here with you uh, for this video, uh, and I've been thinking that this would be the perfect place and the perfect time to talk a little bit about the racial division and the racial tension that's happening in our country today. And as I mentioned to you before we started shooting, I just have this fundamental belief in my heart that uh, one of the best things the church can do when it comes to trying to uh, speak into the relational problems, any kind of relational problems that we have in the world today, is just simply to make sure we're modeling the life of Jesus. We're modeling what it looks like to love uh, people no matter who they are. And obviously, uh, we can't just love them with words. We have to love them with deeds and with actions. And serving people, I think, is a powerful way to do that. And so, as you have seen for the last three and a half years, and in particular in the last three months, have you, as you have seen the opportunities to serve people continue to grow, uh, how have you seen that um, impacting uh, people from a racial standpoint where there might be uh, tension or division or just maybe some difficult emotions to deal with? You know, this neighborhood has has always uh, prided itself on, on not only being diverse, but, but having good relations among, uh, among the different races that are here. And uh, there have been different studies and, and news articles about that, and it's fascinating to read about. But here in the past couple weeks, uh, things are really raw. And, and I don't think everybody knows how to talk about this. And, and so I, I'm thrilled about uh, the relationships that we have developed. Our church, when we were meeting in person, we were racially diverse. People came together around tables and, uh, and shared time with each other. I'm excited about um, the opportunities that we've had to build relationships, to meet needs, to show Christ to folks. Because somehow we have to not only get back to... A, a diverse neighborhood that had good relationships, but but reflecting Christ in that too. And, and I think God has us uniquely positioned to do that, to be a place where people can come back together when that tension between neighbors has kind of sparked up because of what's happening in our world and in our country. Uh, somebody has to stand in and act like Jesus. And I think that's an opportunity that, that we have, uh, that we're going to get to take more advantage of when, when it's not so raw and when we're able to open up more and come together. And some of that's because of we've been loving and serving each other right now. Yeah. I love that. I love hearing that. You know, uh, 
Um, I, I said to uh, Steve Saunders, who is the director of our Impact Center on the Greenwood campus, uh, when this all first happened, and we were just seeing uh, so many people coming with a need for food and help, that uh, you know God had positioned us for that moment. You know, I mean, that even though on some level we thought we knew what we were doing, we didn't have any idea of of how this that that facility was going to serve people. And same thing here. We, I had a burden for this neighborhood. I can remember coming down here by myself years ago mm-hmm. and walking through this neighborhood and praying for God to open doors. And we didn't, and at the time, we don't, didn't have any idea of the kind of needs we were going to encounter. When I think of our impact ministries, I think of the words of John chapter 1 and verse 14, the way they're rendered in the message, which I think you would agree with me is really more of a paraphrase of the Bible than it is a translation. Uh, but uh, this is how it reads, that, that verse, John 1.14 in the message. It's a, a reference to Jesus, and John says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And the first time I read that verse in the message, I thought, that's our impact ministry mm-hmm. verse. Because that's, that's a great way to describe the reality of what we're trying to do with all of our impact campuses, and that is to bring Jesus into the neighborhood uh, by doing in the neighborhood what Jesus did when he was in the world, and that's serving people. And I think that's happening at all of our impact campuses, and I'm really excited about the way it's happening here at Impact Old Southside. You know, our, our mission statement for all of our campuses is that we want to be a church that changes the world for Christ, one life, one family, and one opportunity at a time. And uh, I think we do that when we make a commitment to love and serve people right where they are. And so, uh, thanks again, Jen, for being willing to spend some time with me today. I'm, I'm so happy that you're here, and I, I, so many great things have happened in this ministry, and I know a lot of that is due to your leadership, and I, I appreciate that so much. I'm going to pray for you, Thank you. Uh, at this point. Father in heaven, thanks so much for the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with Jed here at Impact Old Southside. I'm so thankful for this ministry, so proud of this ministry, and I'm so thankful that uh, you led us to Jed Uh, and that he has been uh, really the perfect person to lead this ministry. I pray your blessing on on him and on Adrian, his wife, and their children. I pray you watch over and protect them and keep them safe, and I pray that you would continue to use him and all the folks who are volunteers here at Impact Old Southside to make an impact for Christ on this neighborhood. And we look forward to the opportunity for them to begin to meet again in person soon uh, as a a spiritual community. Thank you so much for all that's happened here and all that will happen. We, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to welcome all of my Mount Pleasant and Impact family, as well as anyone who may be a guest with us today, uh, as we uh, come to week two of our new sermon series called Blueprints for a healthy church. The tagline for the sermon series is lessons learned or reinforced during quarantine. And today we're going to talk about serving. So if you got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to take it and turn with me to the book of Philippians and chapter two. While you're turning there, I want to just once again say thank you to Jed Fuller, our Impact Old Southside pastor for Uh, opening up uh, this campus and allowing us to come down and shoot uh, this weekend service here. And I appreciate uh, Jed taking a few minutes to talk with me about the ministry of Impact Old Southside. I know I didn't give you a whole lot of time, but uh, what we have to talk about is so important today that I want to dive right into the text. 
Philippians chapter 2, I hope you're there. Our, our specific text is going to be verses 5 through 11. I want you to follow along as I read. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, there it is. We always ask God's blessing on the reading and the hearing of His Word. Uh, this is a very important passage of Scripture for two reasons. First, because it teaches us the important or powerful doctrinal truth that Jesus was no ordinary man. He was God in human flesh. And I'm going to just pause here for a minute and speak to all of those in my Mount Pleasant and Impact family who really love to talk about theology, which is basically a word that means the study of God or the study of God in relation to the world. Of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the one that gives us the clearest picture of the, of the theology of who Jesus was is the Gospel of John. And that theology is highlighted by the verse I mentioned a little while ago in my interview or conversation with Jed, John chapter 1 and verse 14. Now in my NIV Bible, it reads like this, at least the first part of the verse reads like this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's a little bit different than the way it reads in the message, and that's how I talked about it with Jed. In the message, again, it reads, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. But even though they're different, both renderings communicate the same truth. This, in this verse, what John is doing is he's describing Jesus by using the word, word. And if you look at the verse in your Bible, you'll notice that the word, word, is capitalized. In the original language of the New Testament, that's the Greek word logos. And on the most fundamental level, the word logos means communication in that it refers to a word or words spoken by a living voice. And so in that sense, it's really a very simple word. But on a practical level, this is a powerful teaching because it shows us that one of the ways that we can describe who Jesus was is by saying that he came into the world as the communication of God. I like the way pastor and author Charles Swindoll explains this truth. Listen to what he writes. John introduces Jesus as the word. Words communicate and that's precisely what Jesus did. From A to Z, Jesus was the divine alphabet spelling out God in such a way that even the most elementary of us could grasp his essence. And so, friends, Jesus was the communication of God. But there's something more here that we need to understand. John isn't saying that Jesus was the communication of God because he was some kind of expression of God. John is saying that Jesus was the communication of God because he was God. He was God in human flesh. And we see that truth once again in this text that we're looking at from Philippians chapter 2. Listen again to Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 and 6. Paul says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Now, I could spend an hour talking about these two verses, but I don't have that kind of time. The key words here are nature and equality. Jesus was no ordinary man because he was in very nature God and because he had equality with God. That teaches us that Jesus was God in human flesh. And Paul goes on to tell us that the reason Jesus was able as God to become a man was because he didn't consider his divinity, his divine nature and his equality with God, something that needed to be grasped because he knew it was something he could never lose. That word grasp means something that you desperately hold on to or desperately cling to because you're afraid of losing it. So this is what happened when Jesus came into the world. He willingly gave up the position and the privilege of being God for a time so he could come into the world to serve us. Philippians 2 verses 5 and 7 say, again, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And that, friends, is the doctrinal truth of this passage. Jesus was not just an ordinary man. That's what Paul is teaching us. He was God in human flesh. I wish I had more time to talk about this because it's absolutely fascinating. And honestly, I could throw around all kinds of theological terms like hypostatic union and try to make you think that I'm way smarter than I really am. But I don't have time to do that. I need to move on. Because along with the doctrinal truth that we see here, uh, Paul is also giving us a practical truth. And it's the practical truth that we really need to embrace. And here it is. This is the practical truth. Jesus came into the world as a servant. He came to serve people. Jesus even said that about himself. In the Gospel of Mark, in the 10th chapter, in the 45th verse, this is what Jesus says about himself. He says, for even the Son of Man, and I've told you before that the term Son of Man or the title Son of Man is the most common title Jesus uses to refer to himself throughout the Gospels. Jesus said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the reason Paul writes in Philippians 2.7 that Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. I, I think about that phrase, made himself nothing. In fact, you should look at that phrase if you've still got your Bibles open to Philippians chapter 2. Look at that phrase in verse 7, made himself nothing. You should underline it or circle it or highlight it or whatever you like to do. Uh, to draw attention to specific things in your Bible. That word nothing is the Greek word kanao, and the basic meaning is emptied, which in fact is the way it's translated in some versions of the Bible. On the most practical level, what that means is that Jesus temporarily gave up the position and the privilege of being God so he could come into the world to serve us. And again, this is the practical message of the text. The doctrinal message is that Jesus was no ordinary man. He was God in human flesh. The practical message is that Jesus was willing to give up the position and privilege of being God for a time so he could come into the world to serve us. Now, having said that, when you look at the overall passage, again, Philippians 2 verses 5 through 11, 5 through 11 and, you, and you look at it through the lens of that practical message, 
that Jesus came into the world to serve us, there are some important lessons that we can learn from Jesus about serving. And listen, I want to just pause here for a moment and say that we need to do more than just learn these lessons on an intellectual level. One of the big problems of the local church is we sometimes think that just because we've learned something intellectually that we have somehow experienced real spiritual growth. But that's not the case because spiritual growth is what happens when we take what we learn intellectually and we put it into practice. And this isn't a new problem with the modern day church. This is a problem that's been around for a long time. That's why James wrote these words in his New Testament epistle. In James 1 and verse 22, he wrote, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. The lessons that we learn from Jesus about serving here in Philippians chapter two are absolutely worthless if we don't put them into practice. Now, I don't have a lot of time to talk about these lessons, so I'm going to be really quick. There are four specific lessons that I'd like you to remember. And so if you're someone who likes to take notes, write down next to number one, lesson number one. Here it is. Serving like Jesus means putting others first. Serving like Jesus means putting others first. Now remember, and this again is the doctrinal truth of our passage, the first thing Paul makes clear is that Jesus is no ordinary man. He's God in human flesh. Remember the words of Philippians 2 verses 5 and 6. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. And so what we need to understand, and I've already said this, but it bears repeating, is that Jesus chose, that's the key word, Jesus chose to give up the position and privilege of being God for a time in order to come into the world to serve us. Well, here's the question. Why? Why did he do that? And the answer, honestly, I think is simple. It's because Jesus looked at the need of the world and said, that need has to come first. And listen, that decision reflects a value system that is the complete opposite of the world we live in today. The value system of the world is all about looking out for yourself. It's all about who I can be, what I can have, and what I can do. But Jesus, who was God, who could have and do anything he wanted, came into the world saying, you know what? It's not me that matters most. It's you. It's not me that needs to be first. It's you. That's the value system of Jesus and that's the value system he expects his followers to adopt and live by. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 11, The greatest among you will be your servant, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We serve people when we humble ourselves and we put others first. Here's lesson number two. Write this down. Serving like Jesus means becoming less so others can become more. Serving like Jesus means becoming less so that others can become more. You know, no matter how many times I read this text, and friends, I'm very familiar with Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, but no matter how many times I read this text, I'm always moved by verse 7 where Paul tells us that Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus could have come to the world as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but that's not what he chose to do. He came as a servant. 
That means he left the splendor of heaven for the smell of a stable. That means he left the company of angels for the company of men. As God, he was omnipotent. That means he was all-powerful. But he chose to take upon himself the limitations of humanity. He traveled from heaven to the cross. He traded robes for rags. He left the golden streets of heaven for the cobbled streets of the Via Dolorosa. And I could go on and on, but the truth is no amount of words and no amount of alliteration can capture the reality of Jesus choosing to become less so that we, you and me, could become more. Quite honestly, that's why I find the teaching of the prosperity gospel or any kind of health and wealth Christianity so disgusting. In fact, it makes me sick to my stomach because it's the complete opposite of what Jesus modeled and the life that he calls us to live. And so every last one of us, and I'll put myself at the absolute top of the list, needs to do an honest evaluation of our hearts to see if we may have somehow slipped into an attitude of Christian entitlement where we're more interested in getting than giving Because that's always going to be one of the strongest temptations of the world. It's always going to be one of the strongest temptations of our flesh. And it's always going to be one of the strongest temptations of our enemy, the devil. And so if a willingness to become nothing and no one for the purpose of lifting others up is not an option for us, then quite frankly, we are not living like Jesus. Here's lesson number three. Serving like Jesus means obeying him no matter the cost. Look back with me at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. This is what Paul writes about Jesus as a servant. He says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Friends, I'm going to be honest with you today and tell you that I can't find words to describe the depth of this verse. Paul is saying that the one who made all men, who knew the hearts of all men, who had authority over all men, humbled himself and allowed himself to be executed by men. And it wasn't just any execution, it was the cross. The cross was the lowest form of execution. It was reserved for the lowest class of people who had no standing and no right in the world. I could go into detail about the gruesomeness of the cross, but honestly, I'm not sure my emotions could take it today. So I'll just say this. The fact that Jesus, who was God in human flesh, would die on a cross was shocking, outrageous, scandalous, and shameful. But on the cross, Jesus, who never stopped being God, showed us the true heart of God, the true nature of God, and that's love. He came to give himself for us, to die for us, to die at our hands because that's what it was going to take to redeem us and to buy us back from the condemnation we had brought upon ourselves as a result of our sin. That was his greatest act of serving, which remember is why he came into the world, to serve us. Remember those words I shared with you earlier from Mark 10, 45. This is Jesus speaking. He said, for even the Son of Man did not come into the world to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so here's what we need to understand. Jesus will never ask us for anything that will cost as much as what he was willing to give on the cross. And so we need to be willing to do whatever he asks, whenever he asks, wherever he asks. And primarily what he asks us to do is to serve others. Let me give you a fourth and final truth. I know we've gone through these pretty quickly. 
but here's a fourth and final truth. Write this down somewhere. Serving like Jesus will one day be rewarded. I go back to our text and I look at Philippians chapter 2. This time, the last couple of verses or the last three verses, verses 9 through 11, Paul says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And here's the simple truth. Because Jesus was obedient to humble himself and become a servant, because he was willing to pay the price of the cross, in the end he was exalted by God. God rewards our humble and obedient service. I can't sit here today and tell you how God might do that in your life. I can only sit here and tell you that God will do that in your life. If you serve other people, if you make a commitment to humble yourself and serve other people in the same way that Jesus served, then God will one day reward you. Listen, friends, there's no question that one of the qualities of a healthy church is a heart for serving others. I've been moved over the past few months, so moved, over the past few months by seeing the way our church has served thousands upon thousands of people, and I am not exaggerating that number. And no one that was served was qualified by anything other than their need. Because serving people in the same way Jesus did doesn't cause you to see their color or their past or their weakness or anything like that. Serving like Jesus just simply focuses on someone's need. And serving like Jesus gives us as the church the chance to put the beauty of Jesus on display in the world in an unmistakable way. You know, I've been doing a Facebook Live devotion every morning now for the past few months. When the stay-at-home order first was issued, I met with all of my staff and I said that I wanted to do some kind of a church-wide prayer emphasis for a period of time. And that led to what we called our Let Us Pray 40 Days of Prayer Experience. And so every day for 40 days, I got up and I did a Facebook Live devotion to try to help people in that experience of prayer. Once the 40 days were up and it was clear that the stay-at-home order was going to be in place for a while, I continued to do a devotion every day, uh, Monday through Friday. I started taking the weekend off, but I did a devotion every day, Monday through Friday. And so as a result, I found myself doing a lot of reading so that I could have something new to say every day. Uh, In my reading, I came across the story of a man named Vedran Smilovich, who is known as the cellist of Sarajevo. During the siege of Sarajevo in the early 90s, more than 10,000 people were killed and all the people there lived in constant fear for their lives. Smilovich lived near a bakery where one day as people were waiting in line to buy bread, a shell exploded. He was one of the first people to get to the scene to provide help, and he was absolutely overcome by the carnage and the senseless slaughter of innocent people. Overwhelmed with the feeling that he had to do something, that he had to respond in some way, he got up the next morning, and he put on his formal black tails, his tuxedo that he wore when he performed in the orchestra, and he sat down on a chair in that fire-scorched bomb crater where 22 people had been killed the day before as they waited in line to buy bread, and he began to play his cello. And he did that 
for 22 days straight, one day for each of the victims of the bombing. What he did was he decided to challenge the ugliness of the war with his only weapon, and that was the beauty of his music. That's when he became known as the cellist of Sarajevo. And amazingly, no harm came to him, even though the city continued to be a dangerous place every single day, even though the city was filled with snipers and was surrounded by all different kinds of danger. In the end, the beauty of his music offered hope to the people of Sarajevo. Listen. There is so much ugliness in our country and our world today. And that ugliness, let's remember, comes first and foremost from the spiritual forces of evil that surround us every single day. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world. Our enemy, the devil, wants to destroy every good thing that God has ever created. And whether that comes out as injustice or racism or poverty, or human trafficking, or the destruction of marriages and family, or whatever. There is one thing that the church, that all of us can do to bring hope to the country that we live in and the world that we live in, and that's love and serve people in the exact same way Jesus did. That's the beauty we have to offer. Bedron Smilovich sat down in that bombed out crater and played his music because that's the beauty he had to offer to his little corner of the world. The beauty we have to offer is serving people in the same way Jesus did. And this isn't something that has to be organized by a pastor like me or a ministry team or some committee. This is something that we just need to simply commit to do every single day of our lives, everywhere we go. Because when we live like Jesus... We bring hope to the world. And remember, Jesus came into the world to serve people. Ultimately, he did that by giving his life on the cross. And so let's be that kind of church. Let's be that church collectively and individually. Let's be that church that's committed to serving others and bringing the beauty of Jesus into this dark and sinful world. And by doing that, let's give people hope. I want you to pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for our time together in your word. And thank you so much for Jesus. I love this passage of scripture, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. I love the doctrinal truth it teaches us about the reality of who Jesus was, that he wasn't an ordinary man, that he was God in human flesh. But I also love the practical truth that it teaches us that Jesus came into the world primarily to serve us. And so we learn what serving looks like when we look at his life. And I pray, Father, that we would embrace that in our own lives. And we would let that be the beauty that we have to offer the world 
living like Jesus, loving and serving people like Jesus has loved and served us. And we pray, Father, that that kind of love, that kind of service, that kind of beauty would bring hope to this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.